Welcome to another episode of the Dentology Podcast, where we discuss the business of dentistry. In this podcast series, we'll be discussing all the non-clinical aspects of dentistry, from goodwill values, finance, marketing, how to buy and sell a dental practice mindset, through to where you can invest your money in team management issues. My name is Andy Acton, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Trevens. Let's jump straight into it. So welcome to our latest edition of Dentology, the Business of Dentology podcast. And this morning we're joined by Steve Pratt. And Steve is a senior or was a senior healthcare working, um, oh, let me sign that again, senior healthcare banking consultant at Lloyds Bank for 16 years, but worked for the bank for 43 years. 43 years. I know. It's My word. Fascinating to see what work changed over that massive period of time. Um, like in Mastermind, he's especially subjects are GPs and dentists. So we'll quiz him and see if we can get him through to the find on that specialist subject. He holds his private pilot's license and is a sporty chap enjoying football um, and a variety of other sports, including supporting Tottenham Hotspur, which might come up in conversation possibly. <sighs> it's possible. Just look at my mug. <laughs> so welcome, Steve. How are you doing? Uh, thanks, guys. Yeah, I'm doing really, really well. And uh, well, we might as well cover that one off now. I'm doing very, very well, particularly after uh, last night. The epic win at Leicester. So, so for those um, who didn't know, Tottenham had a win last night, and and unusually, I think the the game was won in something like the ninety sixth or ninety seventh minute, wasn't it? So, Steve's in good form as we're as we're recording today. I, I don't think oh, my yeah. headphones are working, so I couldn't hear anything from anyone then at the yeah, moment. No, so, uh, let's just move on, shall we? <laughs> no, I'm in very good form as we're above Arsenal. But uh, anyway, let's. Oh! let's uh, Maybe we'll come back to football a little bit. We later. might we but, might circle uh, back to it. But before we get started on your on your career yeah. and, and what you're up to now, Steve, um, what what's your background? Where did you grow up? You know, what was your upbringing like? Where did you come from? Okay, um, yeah. So um, uh, born and brought up in Reading, um, so uh, very much a Berkshire based um, all the way through. Really, we didn't move until I got married in '85. Uh, um, so um, I actually joined the bank in 1977, um, which, what, 40, uh, well, be 45 Queen, Queen years. Queen Silver Jubilee, that was, Steve. Absolutely it was. right. And, and I, yeah. And street I, I parties that, you were know, the thing I, then, weren't they? Do you remember the street yeah, parties? Street parties yeah, yeah. I remember I went as a Roman centurion to our street party and I, I placed <laughs> I placed second <laughs> as a Roman centurion. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. I, I, I remember that. I remember it well. That I, I started my uh, banking career with Lloyd's. In fact, I, I, I did a couple of A levels um, at um, uh, grammar school, as it was then. And uh, I must confess, I, I didn't do particularly well in my, in my A levels. Uh, uh, there was a there was a, a woman on the go at the time, uh, and we nearly got engaged back in those very early days. But uh, um, my mother always blames her for the fact that I got a couple. I scraped a couple of Ds oh, at A levels. Uh, <laughs> But, but that got me that got me a couple of offers from banks. I think um, NatWest, actually Midland Bank at the time, and then Lloyd's um, offered me a, a job. And I joined um, at Woodley, uh, which is uh, just on the outskirts of Reading. And I, I spent pretty much all of my early banking life um, in the Reading area, um, really all the way up until about 1985. But, um, you know, banks in those days were very different to banks these days. Yep. Um, I remember starting off right at the uh, bottom of the pile in the machine yeah, room. Yeah, the waste where, room. Yeah, oh, key, key, key the entries, the debits and the credits. That was, that was, that was yeah. progress. You used to file checks into alphabetical order, I seem to remember, in my day in the Lloyds uh, Bank. 
Steve, did you did you want to did you want yeah. to work in a bank when you were a young kid and, and you know you did your your A levels and you left school? Did you kind of have this desire to work in a bank, or did you just mm. fall into it? Um, I didn't really. I mean, my passion. Um, I've always been very keen on um, flying in terms of air travel. Uh, been a bit of a geek watching aeroplanes, and I, I'd love to have uh, when I was, you know, I don't know, knee ice or grasshopper. I wanted to be a pilot, but um, clearly with two D's in A levels, uh, I had absolutely nil chance of doing that. So I always said at that time, you know, when I was that young, that one day in my life I will actually um, uh, be able to fly an aeroplane. So we'll, we'll come on to that in a minute. In a minute, but uh, yeah, so the bank. Um, quite a lot of my friends in the schools at the time. Um, we're going into into finance, and so I thought, well, yeah, why not? It's um, it, it's a career for life, mm. as it was in <laughs> 1977. And uh, you know, 43 years later, when I retired, what in November of 2020, um, it was um, it, you know those days have gone mm. of long. Oh yeah, the, the I I, I only ask because it. It's one of those ones where a lot of people talk about, like, know your why, what's your passion? Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people know. And a lot of people feel bad for not knowing. And they're like, I don't know what I'm passionate about. But in your case, you kind of went into banking for no obvious or compelling reason, mm -hmm. but stuck around for 43 years and clearly enjoyed it. Yeah. And I think the message yeah. to people, yeah. perhaps, is it's all right not to know what you want to do. And if you try things, yeah. mm. you might find something you really enjoy what, that wasn't obvious to you, as opposed to kind of trying to contemplate and analyse and work out what you're interested in. If you just try a few things, and something good might come at you. I mean, yeah. that's the thing, is it? Do your yeah. best, you know, no matter what you end up with being. Yeah. Do your best, because we can't all be fighter pilots. We can't all be footballers, mm. but we can be really good people at filing checks in alphabetical mm. order. I think it was Muhammad Ali, wasn't yeah. it? Muhammad Ali says, you know, I'm the greatest boxer in the world, but if I wasn't and I'd been a bin man if I'd been put yeah. in the greatest I'd have been the greatest bin man in the world and it's that attitude isn't yeah. it that mm. you can be good at anything without necessarily needing to be the thing that you're, no, you're no. deeply deeply passionate about what I love as well Steve and we will get to it is that that real yeah. early desire to get yourself in the skies came true yeah. later on in yeah. life and we'll, we'll we'll come back to that so you're 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 a dying breed and you're quite unique because <laughs> you work for an organization for 43 years and I was reading it a little while ago. They think now most people will go through three distinct careers in their lifetime. Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll have three completely separate things. They might requalify and do something else. So you're quite unusual in that you, you sat within one organization and within one sector for all that time. So rolling back to the very beginning, how, how did it look then and, and what were the changes? And I don't necessarily mean the, the technical banking changes, things like work habits, uh, work-life balance, communication. What was the hierarchy back like then? What did banking look like in the 70s and now to where we are now? And how did your progression get to go from filing checks to being – because I think at the end of the day you were like head of the healthcare bit, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. So, I was, how did you uh, go uh, from there to there? And you must have made some decisions, taken some opportunities. You know, you don't get this stuff given to you, do you? No, no, 
No, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right, Chris. And, and I think that um, if I go back to the early days, um, yeah, I mean, the, the technology side, you know, we won't cover that off. But um, um, in terms of just personnel, the numbers of people in banking then um, was massive. I mean, I went into uh, Broad Street Reading, which was one of the main bank branches of Lloyd's at the time. Uh, and I was there as a manager's assistant. So I was working for um, one of the managers there. And we had a staff in that branch of 95 people, 95 people. Wow. Now, if you look, across the, you, you look across the high streets now and you see banks in massive buildings. Now, I can tell you that Broad Street Reading has now got a staff of five. Wow. That shows you how things have changed. All of the back office stuff obviously no, no longer happens in bank branches. Yeah. And all you've got really is a, um, is a cashiering team. And then you've got on remote locations, you've got sort of business teams. And, uh, you know, back in the days, you know, we had secretaries, uh, but now obviously everything's changed on the, on the tech side there. Uh, I remember um, in my sort of early managerial days, uh, lunches used to go on for two, two and a half hours up the pub, and you did a lot of business mm -hmm. in the pub, and uh, you did have a bit of a headache. Uh, sort of, in the, you didn't do a great deal in the afternoons. You know, back in those days, you had smoking at desks. Not that I'm a smoker, um, but uh, yeah, things were very, very different. And the um, and the manager, uh, the manager would definitely have been a Mister. Yeah. Oh, back then it was very unusual yeah. for for women to be in in senior positions, and the manager would yeah. also be called Mister Jones, Mister yeah. Smith, whatever it would have yeah. been. I mean the, the the you know the old dad's army Captain Mannering um, side the bank manager um, probably was a little bit before I I joined the bank but that sort of um, uh, standing in the community mm. uh, certainly was there um, in those uh, I mean I remember my first bank um, branch in Woodley as I, I mentioned earlier and you know the, the I remember him now Fred Winter his name and and he in the local community was seen to be one of the pillars mm. of the community. Um, he'd been there for a number of years um, and he was a bit of the old Captain Mannering type of person. But, yeah, just going on to, to, to me, um, I with my two A-levels that I scraped into, which was geography and uh, economics, which sort of helped a bit, um, I was then put on what they call the foundation course for the um, uh, the Institute of Bankers examinations. Oh, yeah. so that gave me a, a bit of a fast track through to doing the... Uh, the ACIB, as it well, in fact, the AIB, Associate of Institute of Bankers, as it was at the time, and and so that was a sort of a degree status, and I finally um, got that degree in 1983, and that then coincided with me being um, accepted onto the management stream. So there was uh, there was a selection centre. I always remember this. It, it was at Hindhead, <laughs> and um, uh, and it was tough. I mean, these selection panels. Um, were very very tough, and um, and I got onto the management stream. And um, you're as long as you keep up your progress, then what happens then is that you're taken through various stages. And you know, back in those days, I ended up with four house moves within five years, uh, and the bank paid every time. And where were they so, from, Steve? Were they sort of? Yeah. Where did you end up as sort of from the, in okay. your four moves? Yeah. So so in terms of uh, from Reading. Um, in 1985, um, I got married and uh, with Ali, and we'll obviously come on to kids and stuff in a moment. But um, he, um, from 1985, when we got married, I was then moved to the regional head office in Aylesbury. And so we moved to Aylesbury, 
but I was only there for 18 months and, and that gave me a completely different perspective of the bank. Uh, I was working with the regional general manager and we were doing a lot of strategy stuff for 18 months. And, and from there, I was then moved to Wantage. Um, so we then uh, moved uh, across to Farringdon um, and Farringdon was uh, in Oxfordshire. Um, and I then took in two jobs there. Um, I was an assistant or sub-manager, as, as it was in those days in Wantage. And then I got my first managerial appointment in Newbury. Oh, wow. Uh, and uh, I worked in Newbury for uh, about two years. Um, and then um, I was then uh, uh, asked to come to Devizes. Wow. And 20, 29 years ago now, 29 years ago, um, we moved. And that was my final house move 29 years ago. Uh, when we moved to um, just outside of Devizes, and I became the business manager at Devizes branch. So that was in what 1992, uh, and um, and I think you know if, if I go back, probably 93, 94 were the last times that uh, any uh, anybody got moved with the bank paying for mm -hmm. a house move. I mean those days of long long gone and, and um, where did healthcare come out of that then so so did you get your experience yeah. 92 and onwards or how did that sort of end up no, no. from 92 onwards i was a business manager and really from 92 all the way through to when i retired i was in the business stroke commercial arm of the bank um one of the um key dates for me has always been 1995 um, which, um, for those geeks will uh, recall, is when Lloyd's actually merged with TSP. Oh, yeah. uh, and um, I'd had three years in, in the business at the time, and we had a local TSP um, to us um, in, uh, in the um, sort of devices area. And I, I was very, very keen um, on looking at how we could exploit what TSP were good at. And TSP had a healthcare division. <laughs> Uh, and these are back in the old days of the 1% over base rate cost rent schemes for GPs. And, uh, and, I, and I said to the bank at the time, I said, look, Lloyd's haven't got um, a healthcare brand. Um, and there are so many GPs, dentists, mm -hmm. etc., pharmacists that we look after. Why don't we try and do something to actually exploit that? Mm. But um, that fell on, unfortunately, deaf ears at the time. So, you know, that was 95, and it wasn't really until 2005 that we finally got to the point where we were starting to uh, get things moved together. And, I, you know, I mean, if you like, I can sort of cover off how we managed to get into the healthcare side because that's quite interesting. Um, but, yeah, so I, I had a bit of a passion for healthcare pretty much from 1995 onwards. And it shows it uh, takes time as well, doesn't it, if between, yeah. you know, between that period yeah. getting – large organisations to buy into new things isn't yeah. something that happens yeah. quickly. You have to kind of keep chipping away and get a couple of people yeah. on side and they might then talk to different people and slowly it builds. It was a real slow process to get it, you know, in, in, it, into it, the right people. It was massively slow. And, 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 and sort of the, 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 the thing that made the difference was in 2004, <clears throat> I sort of jumped ship from being a senior manager excuse me, looking after teams of business managers, which I'd been doing all the way through from 1992, really, to uh, 2004. I'd been leading business teams, <coughs> excuse me. And um, in 2004, I uh, decided to uh, become a bit of a master of my own destiny. And I joined 
the newly created business development team of Lloyd's. And um, it was under the um, leadership of a guy by the name of Neil Fender. Now, Neil, Neil was a, a real maverick um, and um, very much out of sort of the Lloyd's Bank mould. And he wanted to make a difference. Um, and he, he really did re-energise a lot of bankers that would have become stale, uh, but were bloody good at selling and actually very good business development managers. <clears throat> and so there were, what, what happened was that I joined the team and um, a colleague and, and, and I, Ian Crompton, who uh, obviously you, you know well, who then became head of healthcare, um, Ian and I were given the task by uh, Neil Fender of setting up a business development team within healthcare. And, and that's when I started to get involved with people like Alan Springer, because Alan... Uh, <laughs> Alan Springer, there's a name from the past, I tell you. Alan was ploughing his own furrow with you guys, particularly, mm. uh, in doing dental deals. Now, Alan was doing dental deals, not just in bloody London, but all over the country. And suddenly the Moorgate dental book just exploded. And I said, well, hang on a second. So how are you doing this, Alan? And he was explaining the relationship that he had with you guys. And I said, well, look, surely around the country there must be other people that have got brokers and introducers that are more focused on healthcare." And, of course, there was. Uh, so you had people like John Saltonstall up in the Midlands who had relationships with pharmacies. You had uh, um, other people all around the country that uh, had um, relationships with brokers in the healthcare sector. So um, Ian and I approached Neil and said, look, we think that we can set up a bespoke healthcare business development team. And so what we did, we picked 20 uh, managers, uh, and this is when business development had about 80 managers across the country. So 20 um, business development managers uh, were brought into the healthcare team, and Ian and I led that. And we then put together some bespoke training um, and a, a three-day training course, and um, and and that was the sort of start of healthcare. But I mean, putting and, putting and really, that off, Steve, as a as a piece of work, you can't you know you sort of skittle yeah. through it fairly quickly. But you know, yeah. to go from having a bank that had no knowledge, expertise, commitment to that, to hearing how you know you and a few other guys just started it, looked at it, pulled it together, to coming yeah. bang up yeah. to date now where we are, where it is absolutely a specialty, and mm. not just within Lloyd's where you were from. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a number of banks yeah. now that focus on on healthcare as being one of their green light sectors, but. Until like pre the mid nineties, that just didn't exist. I was it's just it's say, so not doing effectively because obviously I used to do GP cost rent loans and dental stuff. Yeah. So they were basically just not pushing that boat. They would sort of let it dwindle on the vine almost. Wow. They were, uh, and it was a it was a crying shame. But we lost we lost the we lost the initiative because the the one bank that did it right and built their healthcare team was RBS. Mm. Um, so, so what I wanted to do um, in those early days was pretty much replicate um, what RBS had created, mm. um, and and we started that off really in the dental sector. Uh, we we then developed our credit policies um, in terms of goodwill lending, um, primarily in the dental sector. Pharmacy then followed, um, and um, and care homes as well. So the social care side followed from that. We we included opticians at the time. Uh, vets then came mm -hmm. in, and really until a little bit later that the GP sector 
came into the fold as well. And, and, and probably the, one of the most important things was then um, the bank seeing how successful the business development healthcare team was. Mm. And we put up papers to um, the managing director of business banking, as it was at the time, um, really strongly recommending that we segment mm. our customer base and then um, bring in specialist healthcare mm. relationships. Without, yeah, yeah, without getting too, too technical, in yeah. the early days, were the um, terms that were offered to dentists um, uh, similar to businesses um, but a little bit better um, compared to where yeah. we are now, where the yeah. terms available to dentists are significantly better than general businesses. Yeah. You know, the terms that are on offer to, to professionals and dentists in particular yeah. are, are, are very favourable. Was there kind yeah. of a, an improvement over time as, as the banking sector got more comfortable with the profession? Yeah, I think, I mean, to get a, a foot in the door, I think what you have to do is because you don't have a reputation, you're almost having to do that on price. Mm. Um, then uh, you then start to look at where that takes you. And and so we did. We, we had to come in. And I remember the days when um, in the early days in dentistry where RBS uh, were offering um, one over base, one and a half over base for freeholds and uh, um, 2% for goodwill um, and, and less than that. So we, there's no way that we could have actually um, got involved in that if we weren't matching those sorts of terms. So we were effectively matching what the competition were offering. And then what we then did was build our brands and build our reputation um, and uh, really our USP in terms of the CPD that we mm. put our through regularly. A um, bit like, you know, what we wanted to do was replicate the way in which professionals within healthcare have to go through their own CPD. Yeah. We wanted to replicate that with our mm. banking mm. relationship managers and business development managers so that we were all talking the same language. Mm. Uh, and, that, and that was really important. And success builds success, <laughs> doesn't it? Oh, you know, yeah. If, yeah. if you're making yeah. a pig's ear of it, the answer is, guess what? You don't get yeah. to expand and write a more expansive credit policy. But when you're being Absolutely. successful and not losing money, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know, that, that's the yeah. key from the bank's point of view. No jumping default. to the end, Steve, also you're, you're, you're no yeah. longer in banking and we'll come on to what you're doing now in, in a minute. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. just prior to leaving and your, your kind of observations of where the banking sector's now, um, where yeah. is it in terms of supporting the profession post-COVID? Because obviously the last yeah. couple of years have seen a lot of things thrown up in the air and they haven't necessarily landed where they were before. But what does it look like now? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, well, one of the things was that, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I was um, I, I was actually going to be looking to retire uh, earlier mm. than I, I did. But um, the bank, um, we were then having to work from home, obviously, when COVID hit. And uh, they asked me to take on um, leading the bank's um, healthcare uh, COVID strategy. Uh, and, uh, and we put that together pretty quickly. And consequently, I stayed on. Uh, as I say, all the way through till November 2020. And we, we supported and were able to support a large number, uh, specific, particularly dentists. Obviously, the GP sector really had its own, um, you know, that wasn't really affected. Pharmacy wasn't really affected. So it tended to be veterinary uh, and dental were the two main sectors that were affected by COVID. And, um, and, and yeah, we, 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 we put uh, millions of millions of pounds out in COVID support for dentists. And I think, um, 
the, the, the dental sector is a very resilient sector, mm. as, as you guys very, very well know. And I think that um, because it's so resilient um, and because there are few failures, that's not to say there aren't any failures, mm. that's the key, um, then um, it was, um, it, it's a sector that the bank has uh, uh, remained very, very close to throughout, um, throughout COVID and beyond. So um, the bank certainly, I'm, I'm still very much in contact with a lot of my ex-colleagues and Jen Scott, who I'm delighted to say has mm. just been appointed yes. head of healthcare yes, standard, yeah, yeah, standard. For, for the broker development side. So Jen and I, effectively, Jen was uh, working as, as, as essentially my replacement, and we were actually working together for a good few years, actually, because I was hanging around and not going. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, I'm, I'm delighted. Jen, Jen's absolutely the right person to lead that forward. And um, you know, Lloyd's are in a very good place. They've got some fantastic. Um, business development, broker development managers, you know, that have been there for a long time, Malcolm Swan, John Saltonstall, to name another couple. And then we've got relationships, well, let's say we, I keep saying that, um, they have got relationships. <laughs> 43 got years, quite hard to get rid of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's quite hard. And they've got some fantastic relationship managers. So I think Lloyd's have got it right. Um, that's not to say that it was always going right. Um, there were very, very big frustrations that I had when, the bank were making wrong decisions, but I'm delighted to say that they, uh, uh, this one that they've just made is absolutely the right decision to bring the team together as a healthcare yeah. team again, yeah. which is what we had, you know, back in the mm. early days. And you, and um, you were saying, Steve, that so, your yeah. your own plans, um, you were due to yeah. leave um, earlier in in twenty, and you had quite big plans for that year, didn't you? Yeah. So the impact yeah. <laughs> for you personally, what was that kind of personal impact as a result of COVID for you and your family? Went you off to the Olympics yeah, or something? Well, yeah, it was Japan, wasn't well, it? Well, yeah, I mean there was there was all sorts of things. I mean the biggest thing that we did is that we moved house. So we'd been twenty eight years in uh, a little village called Wern, just outside of Devizes, and um, so we we used twenty twenty as the year to move. And um, we're here now, uh, just outside of Castle Coombe, um, in a in a lovely property. Um, all the kids um, have gone, um, so well, we're here on our own. But it's a great party house, and uh, not that we've been able to have too many parties. <laughs> but um, so I, I, you know, moving house was the massive, massive thing for us. And I spent um, probably we moved in November 2020, and I then or early November, and then I retired a month later. Mm. So I was able um, to, uh, and to be fair, up until that point, um, I was based at home doing the COVID stuff back in the old house. And, um, you know, nobody could do anything. Mm. And you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I was due to go to the Olympics uh, in 2000. And obviously that was then uh, uh, delayed. And um, uh, yeah, and obviously I never got to that in the end. Um, but, um, um, you know, I'm really, really happy to be mm. here now. We did a lot of work on the house in the first six months, and um, yeah, uh, and th there's 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 a lot going on, and obviously uh, uh, working working mm. with you guys is, is yeah, we're starting to have you on board. It's yeah, brilliant. absolutely. And, the and, finance team, it's brilliant. And, and how are you finding yeah. that? Because obviously, you've been talking, you know, passionately about being a banker and and doing things yeah. on the banking yeah. side, and and now you're on the other side. You know, you've you kind yeah. of flipped yeah. from being within the bank to somebody who now. Um, arranges deals for clients and you then introduce them into the bank how have you yeah. found that switch because i know from other guys that we work with in, in the early days they found it quite alien because they were yeah. effectively sitting in judgment as a bank would as yeah. opposed to assessing yeah. a proposal and packaging it and presenting it how, how have you found that 
I, I've actually really, I've really enjoyed it. Um, I think um, it, it's what what I've liked is the ability to get to know some of the other guys in the other banks, and some of them I already knew anyway. Uh, because one, the one thing that I did uh, manage to achieve over what sixteen years working in healthcare is you get to know so many people. Um, you meet a lot of the other uh, um, guys in banks, um, at healthcare shows, you know, the dental shows, pharmacy, GP shows, you name it, that we were always at, you know, uh, we were, that's, um, we, we've spent so much time mm-hmm. at these shows. And, and um, it's quite refreshing, um, even with some of the, you know, with some of the new banks that have entered into the game, you know, Metro came and went, um, you've got Wesleyan obviously very much there, some of the more fringe banks, people like Bremer, in fact I've got Steve Forsyth from Bremer coming for a cup of coffee at 11 o'clock this morning, so uh, you know, it, that, that'll be nice to, to, to meet up with him again, and I've known the guys from Bremer for a long time. So um, the straight answer to your question is, I found it a pretty easy transition, because I was... I tended to do quite a bit of assessment for other managers um, when I was with Lloyd's. Um, I wasn't just doing the deals myself. Mm. I was actually supporting other managers in uh, moulding propositions to become bankable, um, working on credit policy. So um, I probably haven't found it as difficult as maybe some of my uh, my ex-colleagues. Um, and, and it is really refreshing to talk to some of the other, uh, other banks. Mm. And, you know, I mean, I've... Um, I, I'm primarily working on two sectors now, as you said, veterinary and um, the GP side. I don't really want to get back into the dental side because you've got David and James and Helen that are doing great stuff on the dental side. And to be honest with you, this is a consultancy part-time role, uh, and, and I don't want it to take over my life. And, and I'm really enjoying dealing with um, uh, new start vets, and um, the accountants within the mm. veter- uh, within, uh, veterinary and also mm. the GPs. Mm. And, um, and, and, you know, we've got a few deals that have been done now, a few others on the go. And, and if I can um, raise the FTA name mm. with, um, uh, with some vets and with, denti- uh, with doctors and mm. GPs, mm. then that's, that's what I want to say. For us, it was great. For us, it was great to get you on board because yeah. oh, yeah. obviously yeah. you've got the, the reputation and the presence. Yeah, uh, and actually, Steve, you're a nice bloke as well, so that, that oh, always helps, doesn't well, it? Do you know that, what I, mean? I must admit, you. And that's coming from a I was going to say, <laughs> we, we do have a no dickheads policy. Oh, no dickheads policy is quite strong. We yeah, we yeah, only want to work yeah. with people that we like. So you you yeah. certainly pass pass that test. So it sounds like your transition was was fairly smooth, to be honest. But was, just yeah, dipping back I mean, into the dental thing yeah. for a second, we're, like, we're, we're recording yeah. this at the very beginning of 22. We've got most of the year ahead of yeah. us. What, what are your predictions for the, for, the, for the dental profession for the year coming? And, and is that likely to impact banking and funding in any shape or form? I, th- I think dentistry is well set for 2022. I really do. I think that, uh, again, not being 100% involved in it over the last sort of year or so, um, uh, but but my my views, and I'm still in contact with a few dentists, is that um, yeah, some of them took out um, the COVID loans, um, and some of them actually haven't spent that money, <clears throat> which is quite interesting. Um, I, I think that where they heavily invested and they're wanting to expand more, then I think that there are challenges around um, repayment capability when you start to factor in. Um, some of these large um, loans that have actually come out, because of course they're on relatively short dated um, 
uh, terms. Mm. But um, I think from a, um, um, I mean, if you look at the UDA performance side of things, obviously that's now, um, dentists should now be able to achieve um, their, their UDA uh, performances. <clears throat> I think that um, in, my, in my view, I think we are back to pre-pandemic levels. Uh, I think that the dental, dental sector is better prepared uh, in terms of anything that might potentially hit us going forward. Um, and, and certainly um, the banks that I deal with um, are very, very um, proactive and green-lighted mm. when it comes to supporting the dental sector in particular. Well, it's the ultimate um, stress so test, well, isn't it? Oh, yeah. we, we were saying, you know, yeah. if you can, yeah. in a way, the 2008-2009 mm. was a was a bit of a stroll in a park in a bizarre way for dentistry. Yeah. Whereas yeah. you look at what happened, if they can, if you wanted to stress test your business, <laughs> COVID was the ultimate stress well, test. Well, it does feel like, <laughs> it does feel like a sector that's proven to be, yeah. you know, recession proof, depression proof, and yeah. now pandemic proof, mm. which is, yeah. is credit to the people in the profession. You know, mm. they're incredibly resilient and have the ability they to are. do whatever is required. Yeah. I think the one thing it's probably taught them is that uh, a lot of dentists now absolutely understand the financial fundamentals yeah. of their business more than they probably yeah. did before. Because to be fair, you know, at the end of the day, and I've always said this, a dentist is first and foremost a clinician. They are not necessarily um, expert mm. in business and finance. Uh, and, and if they're not, then, you know, it's important that they surround themselves with people that are. But a lot of them have actually become a lot more savvy when it comes to uh, the financial dynamics of their business. And, uh, and that, I think, has got to be a good thing. Uh, and, it, and that probably applies to, to all of the healthcare professions as well, really. Yeah. So, yeah. so tell us about your, your flying, Steve. Because from the outside looking yeah. in, that looks like a, an incredibly intense, highly technical focused thing. Expensive. But, expensive as well but but from from the way yeah, no. we've only briefly talked about this before but it sounds like for you it's like a form of relaxation so it seems that there's it a is. bit of a disconnect between the intensity of it needing all your attention and focus yet you do it as something to relax yeah i mean you're absolutely right andy i, th I think um as i say my passion was always to fly um uh, and just got the bit of history on that one is that uh, when I, I hit the magic five zero, uh, my wife arranged for a lot of our friends to club together and get me a couple of flying lessons because uh, she thought that, uh, you know, we'll get it out of his system, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So here we are. Um, and uh, 11 years later, nearly 12 years later, uh, I've been flying, had my license for 10 years and uh, I try and fly if I can every week. In fact, I am going to fly. It's a beautiful, beautiful day today. And uh, once I've kicked Steve Forsyth out of the door at about lunchtime, uh, I'm going to drop down to Thruxton, um, which is uh, actually is a little bit of a drive for me now. It's about an hour and a quarter from where I'm living now because uh, we've not uh, I've not moved because um, I'm in a syndicate of um, eight people. Um, so I'm I'm wandering down to Thruxton and I'm going to go out for a flight this afternoon. Oh, very nice. Well, so so um, in terms of yeah, it is a very the skill set that you need for flying. Um, I wanted to be mentally challenged um, and do something that was totally different to banking, mm. you know, 10 years or so ago, 11, 12 years ago now. And uh, and flying is that. Um, there is nothing better to be up above the clouds and, uh, you know, in the sunshine on a 
dismal day as long as you can obviously get up off the ground and you can get back again. So I sort of <laughs> extended my training to take in instrument flying as well so I can actually get myself above the clouds. And uh, I absolutely love it. We've got a, um, uh, for, the, uh, for the flying enthusiasts out there, I've got a Piper PA-28 Arrow. I've so seen a picture of it, I think. Didn't you, you show us some pictures yeah. of it, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, I show everything. <laughs> Would you like to do that now, Sim? No, no, I'm joking. <laughs> Here it is. Very good. I'll spare people that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's there's eight of us in it, and uh, it, I can pretty much get it whenever I want it. We've got a booking system, and, and I'll, I'll go up for an hour on my own today. I do tend to take a lot of people up, and I know you guys are quite keen to. Yeah, love yeah, to. Yeah, 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 definitely. And so if, if, you, if you're free this afternoon, and you can whip them up <laughs> Yeah, we'll have an hour up. In Might there. be a stretch. Um, so, <laughs> I'm looking forward. I'm yeah, looking forward to the yeah. trolley service. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It, does, it does have the old ashtrays in it. Ah, <laughs> there you go. Not a lot of smoke, but hey, it's almost worth it. Yeah. I think it's really nice. Yeah. I think it's important to have um, something as a distraction. You know, when mm. particularly um, most people's daily lives can be quite stressful and, and they're quite you know focused. So to have something which is yeah. completely different. And it's lovely yeah. because you've also found something you're passionate about, which I think lots of people yeah. um, struggle with. So it's, it's great to hear that. It's interesting, the flying. It's just a fascinating one, isn't it? It's like people going for a drive or going for a walk. You go for a fly yeah. to spend an hour on your own in a plane, which gives you a bit of almost yeah. like centering time, yeah. you know, getting yeah. back to... Uh, getting back to you, almost earthing yourself in a sort of like very new agey way. But, do you know what I mean? It's, uh, By leaving the planet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you come back to Earth. Yeah. Oh, I could get so many metaphors out of this. In the, in the past, I have taken a couple of my bosses up and it's been quite good because um, I've always done it sort of at time when it comes up to performance reviews. So, uh, have you taken so, your hands off, Steve? So, gone, okay, no, your turn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So they know that they have to say the right thing. <laughs> now, you see, that's just a canny salesman, that is. That's just a... Yeah. <laughs> well, Steve, your your journey, your story, it's, it's fascinating. It is and fascinating. I, I, like yeah. that. I, I genuinely will be surprised if we get to talk to somebody else who has spent, you know, <laughs> four plus decades working through yeah. through one profession. So I no, think it's a it's not. a fascinating story. We we always wrap up by asking our guests the, the same two questions. And the first one is if you could be the fly on a wall with somebody in a certain situation, um what would that mm-hmm. situation be and who who would you be watching over? I'm leaning forward intently, waiting for the answer. Yeah, I, I tell you what, this was a real interesting one, and I've sort of gone a little bit off piece here. I mean, obviously, being a career banker with Lloyd's for 43 years, um, there was a particular moment in history where um, uh, pretty much the wheels came off. And, of course, if I go back to 2008 and the financial oh, crash, yeah. um, uh, there was a, a certain drinks party that was held at, uh, I think, probably number 11 Downing Street um, or in the city, uh, where Gordon Brown, the then, um, uh, he was Prime Minister at the time, wasn't he, I think? Um, he met Victor Blank, Sir Victor Blank, who was the chairman of Lloyd's Bank. And um, sort of on the quiet said to him, um, Sir Victor, do you think that you'd be able to take on Bank of Scotland? And um, and I'd love to have been a fly on the wall in that conversation. And I still don't think we will know the full story of that one in terms of uh, what went on then. But suffice to say that um, Lloyd's um, effectively rescued um, April at the it time. It wasn't a bitter pill um, at all, was it, Steve? 
Just in case anybody listening thought that was interference. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Steve Steve actually really went. I, I remember a Lloyds Bank air price of approaching ten. Oh, don't we all? Don't we all? Yeah. I know that obviously the shares have been somewhat diluted and changed around since then, but you know here we are at fifty-five p. So um, I suppose uh, were you like me, Steve? You had these. These these were my bankers for the future. I had all these shares that I'd accumulated. I thought this is going to be a yeah. right result. Yeah. To which the answer yeah. is, yeah. Uh, they're quite useful if I need to set fire to a yeah. uh, log or a something. Twenty yeah. times dilution. Yeah. Oh, that would be that. That it, would be an interesting one. That would be an interesting so one. So that 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 for me would have been a very yeah. interesting one. I did think about the good old things in time, you know, with um, the war and all the rest of it. But I thought, no, actually, that one, particularly with forty-three years in the bank, I thought that that's mm. actually something that I've been very interested to understand the full story. No, absolutely. It. And absolutely. Imagine, imagine if he'd have said no. I mean, what would have happened then? I mean, would oh. the bank, would the government had to step in and buy? Eight spots like they, they partly would, did with Lloyd's and mm. RBS. I mean, it's amazing, RBS. isn't it? Would, Lloyd's would not have been in that position uh, if um, it, it would have just been RBS and HBOS, but I think HBOS would have failed. I mean, it was a bloody basket mm. case. Yeah. Uh, uh, sorry sorry for anybody that's listening that was with HBOS, but, uh, <laughs> um, you know, some of the – I mean, they, I don't think they really had a lending policy. It was just a question of, oh, do you want £5 million? Oh, yeah, there, there you go. Off you go. Uh, not quite sure how we're going to get it repaid, but oh, don't worry about it. It was it was remarkable awful. times, remarkable mm. times. And and our and our second question that we ask is if you if yeah. you could meet anybody, anybody at all, you know, a fact fiction living from years ago, yeah. living, yeah. who would you who would you like to meet? Well, again, I've got a, a bit off the wall on this one. I love my music. I played in a band for ten years, and and I've been very lucky to go and see some fantastic performers there is there's one regret that i have and and i think um that he was probably in my lifetime one of the greatest male singers which i won't be able to see now um uh, and and i just love his music and i think he was fantastic and that's george michael uh, yeah yeah you know, bit, bit off the wall but i love his music yeah. and i just wish that i'd been to see him live mm. um so that's my sort of one of my biggest regrets that i never never mm. was able to do so, um, so yeah, uh, that that would probably be uh, one that's a uh, bit left to field, that one. But no, he was. Yeah, you'll, you'll be pleased to hear. I think someone might be working on a documentary on, the, on oh, George Michael, which would be fascinating. I found out, and how about this? You're like this, Steve. George Michael still pays for the Christmas lights on Highgate Village. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's amazing, right isn't it? He said he liked the lights, so therefore he's going to put money away. Mm. I think it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, he was a very, he was yeah. a very generous and guy. And troubled. It's a, shame oh, yeah. that, it's a shame, really, yeah. that if he had been... You know, mm. probably twenty years later, he probably wouldn't be quite yeah. so troubled. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you're probably He's right. Changing attitudes. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's brilliant, yeah. Steve. I've, 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 I appreciate your time. I think your stories are great. I, I think you've had a, a fascinating career, uh, and I think there's still yeah. still more for you to do as well. So it's been a, it's been absolutely absolutely mm. fabulous. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Steve's a good guy, isn't he? He's a nice bloke. I tell you what, 43 years, that's flipping forever. I remember um, when Ryan Giggs, the footballer, finished his career with Manchester United. It was being kind of held at his kind of probably the end of a generation where a football player plays their whole career with one team. Mm. 
And then you kind of relate that. And I think he was played for that football team for like 20 years or whatever yeah. it was. And then you look at Steve, who spent 43 years, you know, four and a half decades of work, Steve, with one employer. I can't envisage a situation given changing employment sectors, markets, yeah. and new industries that anybody would end up working within a particular sector or profession. Well, especially so in finance, because they seem to early retire people like there's no tomorrow. Yeah. You know, so I, th- I think, yeah, it's going to be an amazing achievement. Uh, and, and I mean, the changes that he's seen, you know, I know I'm similar age and the banking bit is, you know, the I say, I remember we didn't have fax machines. Yeah. You know, can you imagine that? Not having a fax mm. machine. You had to have someone who typed a note on, mm. you had secretaries. It's just uh, fascinating that he's then moved on to, to where he is. In 43 years, I wonder whether that's longer. Well, it is longer because of COVID. Because he probably would have gone at 40 or something. Yeah, I think he probably stuck another so, year on the end. It wasn't but, yeah. but he seemed to have nice balance, you know. Recently moved house, flies his aeroplane, still yeah. plays sport. He is a, is a good example of somebody who um, has got lots of ticks in lots of boxes. He's a great guy and a really good team player. I didn't mention it on the thing, but I think that one of the things that really impressed me about Steve, we've known him for a long time, was when uh, you know he, he came and worked uh, with finance and he drove all the way from Devizes yeah. or wherever it is he lives now in Wiltshire to come to our Christmas do and then drove all the way back. Yeah. I mean, to be seen that's to a take real part. team player. Oh, yeah. That no. is a yeah. real team player. Like, huge hats off and credit to yeah. you. But no, nice bloke. Yeah, really, really nice bloke. Really, really enjoyable. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dentology, where we discuss the business of dentistry. If you like what you heard, please do subscribe where you found this episode. That would be amazing. And also follow us on Instagram.